Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. As there you go, there's your Mother's Day tip for the day. Rub their feet. All right. Uh, we do have a token of appreciation for moms today. Uh, when you leave, there are uh, carnations available at the front door, and we just want to give those to you in recognition of Mother's Day today. And so uh, please make sure you go through and grab one of those uh, here this morning. Uh, it's just a small token. It's it's really, uh, we would love to do more, uh, but we definitely wanted to recognize um, all that you do. And, and I want to add my happy Mother's Day to you, uh, not only to my wife, but to my mother as well. Uh, we are so appreciative of moms. And the Bible tells us, uh, in fact, it's one of the commandments to honor your father and mother. So it's good to be able to do that. It's good to have that attitude and that perspective on life. So guys, I'm hopeful that this carnation at the back is not the only thing that you're doing for your uh, your wife today. So um, hopefully you haven't waited until the last minute. Hopefully you're doing something more. If that is, uh, if if you are only doing that today, then you're probably going to be in trouble. So make sure that you. Uh, Make sure that you do more than that for Mother's Day today. Motherhood is really, uh, despite other uh, statements to the contrary, motherhood is the oldest occupation in the world. Uh, there wouldn't be a world without mothers. We need moms. Um, I, I'm glad, so glad that 107 years ago that President Woodrow Wilson decided to make Mother's Day a national holiday. Uh, but even before that, before it was made a national holiday, it was uh, promoted and petitioned for by a lady by the name of Anna Jarvis. She petitioned for and got Mother's Day passed as a recognized holiday in our country. And it's very fitting that the very first Mother's Day took place in a church. I, I think we honor that tradition today by honoring Mother's Day today um, and making sure that we celebrate it today. A mom's love is an incredible thing. A mom's love sets the standard. Um, if you want to talk about different degrees of love, the mom's love is the highest degree, it seems like, next to the love of God that we have here in this world. You've probably heard the phrase before that he has the face that only a mother could love. That tells you how deep and profound a mother's love is. Mothers love their kids with all of their heart. That doesn't mean that parenting is not hard and difficult. I heard a story about um, uh, a mom who was pushing her little toddler through a local Walmart. And as she was pushing the toddler through the Walmart, the toddler was screaming and crying and yelling at the top of her lungs. Uh, the mom, as she was going through Walmart, pushing her screaming child, just kept seeing these words. She would say, now, now calm down, Ellen. Uh, it'll be all right, Ellen. And uh, we're almost done, Ellen. It's almost time to go home, Ellen. Uh, one of the Walmart store clerks overheard her saying these things, and she came up to the lady and said, ma'am, you are to be commended at how patient you are with little Ellen. And the mom looked back at the store clerk and said, lady, my name is Ellen. Ellen. 
And so sometimes parenting is really hard and really very difficult. Children, we love our moms no matter what age we are, and the ages we are uh, really differentiates how we treat our moms and how we look at our moms. At age four, you might be thinking, well, mom could do anything. Uh, by the time you're age 12, you're thinking mom doesn't know everything. By age 14, you're thinking mom doesn't know anything. By age 18, you're thinking that mom is so out of step with the time, she is so backwards. But all of that starts to change because about age 25, you start to think, well, mom does know a few things. At age 35, you're thinking, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. At age 45, you are saying, I wonder what mom would say about this. At age 65, you're wishing you could just talk to your mom one more time. We relate to our moms at a different level in different times, and some of you today are actually grieving that because your mom is not able to be with you today. She is not here on, this, uh, on, on earth anymore. She has graduated to a heavenly existence, uh, hopefully having a relationship with the Lord. And today you probably miss her. You're, you're thinking about her. You're, you're uh, missing her presence today. Um, it's amazing how much moms do. It's amazing the weight that they carry in our lives and the influence that they have in our lives. Well, today, if we're in honor of Mother's Day, I want to look at just something from the Bible that struck me this past week. I was thinking this past week, well, what do, what do I want to preach on? What do I want to talk about for Mother's Day? And I had a variety of opinions and ideas that were running through my mind. And one that really struck me was this. Have you ever wondered how it is that God chose Mary to be the mother of his son? It brought to me a question, and the question turned into the title of the message, and the title of the message today is this, how God chose a woman to raise his son. Why her? Have you ever wondered why her? The mother of Jesus, her name in Hebrew was Miriam, we know her as Mary, but why her? Why did God, out of all of the women across all time, out of all of the women that would have been available at that time, why did he pick her? Did Mary have some qualities and some characteristics that made her the right person to carry the Son of God, to nurture him, to not only have him grow within her womb, but also to nurse him at her, at her breasts, to be able to raise him through the toddler stage and through the elementary age stage and through the teenager stage? Was there something special about Mary that God would choose her to be the mother of his son? Well, I want to explore that today with you and look at just three things from the Bible that talk about why perhaps Mary was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. Let's pray as we begin and dive into God's Word. Father, I pray that you would help us to hear your truth, that you would help us to understand what makes for a godly woman, but not just a godly woman, a godly servant. Lord, not only if, if we are moms or not, all of us are your servants. All of us are called for your purpose, and we can be godly through the same three things that Mary exhibited in her life. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and, and a heart to understand your truth today. Help us to be the kind of people that bring honor and glory to you. 
and help us to be not only the kind of maybe moms in this place, but the kind of parents and the kind of people that bring glory to you. Father, we thank you for the time that we could share together with you today. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you heard about, there was a story of a, of, a, of a couple of young kids and they wanted to go to the store and buy flowers for their mom for Mother's Day. And these two young kids, as they went to the store with their dad to pick out flowers for their mom, they came home with a plant, a house plant. And the next morning they gave the, flower, or the house plant to their mom, but they were very disappointed about it. They handed it to the mom. They kind of looked sad in their face as they gave the mom this house plant. And the mom said, thank you so much, kids. I really appreciate you getting this for me. Thank you for thinking of me. But what's wrong? Why do you look so sad? And the oldest of the kids said, well, we wanted to get you some pretty flowers. But dad said, no. Dad said, we can't possibly get you those flowers. She said, well, I, this plant is good enough. Thank you for getting me this. Why did, the, why did the flowers mean so much to you? They said, well, we looked at the flowers and they were so beautiful and there was such a beautiful arrangement. And across the front of the flowers, it said, rest in peace. And we thought that since you're always wanting peace so that you can rest, this would have been perfect for you. We want to appreciate moms. Moms deserve to be appreciated, especially as we look at the mother of Jesus himself. I don't know if you know this or not, if you understand the technical reasons or the theology behind why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. Why did Jesus have to come without the aid of man into this world? Is there something significant about the virgin birth, something significant about why Jesus had to be born in that manner? Well, the answer to that question is this, that the seed of sin passes through man to a woman, and it has happened that way since the time of Adam. Through Adam, sin entered into the world. It wasn't through Eve, it was through Adam. Adam was given the command of God, do not eat from any, or, or eat from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from this tree, you will surely die. Adam was given the command, and then Adam stood next to his wife Eve and watched her as she was being tempted and watched her as she took a bite of the fruit of the tree that she was not supposed to eat from. The sin was not placed upon Eve, it was placed upon Adam. The Bible tells us through one man, through Adam, sin passed to the entire world. God had given a promise to Adam saying, in the day that you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you will die. Now we know that Adam did not die that day physically. He did die though spiritually. He was kicked out of the garden along with Eve. The presence of God was eliminated from their lives. They no longer lived in perfection. Now they would be living tainted by sin for the rest of their existence. The seed of sin then would pass through the man to the woman throughout every generation. We can't escape it. Every one of us are born with that genetic defect. We are born with a sin nature that affects and infects all of us, except for Jesus. Because Jesus was not born in the same manner. 
The seed of man, the seed of sin did not pass down to Jesus because he was born without man. He was born and conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of a virgin, coming into this world for one specific purpose, to be perfect, to be sinless, and to save the world from the wrath of God that was to come. For all that would trust in him and put their faith in him would be forever saved. But why, God, did you choose Mary? Why was she the chosen vehicle for you to bring your son into the world? What was it about her that made her the model of what a mom should be, a godly person should be here today? Well, I want to show you three things that I believe the Bible tells us about the kind of mother that Mary was. What did God look for in the mother of his son? Well, the answer to that question is these three things. Number one, the first thing that I noticed in Scripture as I'm researching and looking at Scripture is this, that Mary, something unique about Mary, is that Mary was greatly honored but stayed humble. Humility is one of those keys that God wants us to have as we serve him throughout life. If you do not have humility in your life, you cannot serve God. In fact, pride will cause God to stand in opposition to you. Mary was incredibly humble, though she was incredibly honored. Mary would receive an honor, and the honor was the caring of God himself in her womb, the caring for God as she raised him. Think of Mary attending a mops group in her day. She goes to the mops group. All of the other moms are talking about their kids and how great their kids are. Look at the picture my kid just made. Look at this art decoration that my kid just drew. Think of Mary's response of what it could have been. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I, I appreciate your, your daughter is so talented. Oh, she's so, your son is so talented. You know what my son did? He created the world. You know, he created the world. But, but that's a wonderful picture. You know, she could be so puffed up, so full of pride. She had the honor of carrying God, yet she remained incredibly humble. Let's look at the Christmas story of all things here in the month of May. Luke chapter 1, here's what the Word of God says, starting in Luke chapter, chapter 1, verse 28. It says this, And coming to her, that's coming to Mary, there was an angel that came to her, and the angel said to Mary, Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word. We, we often uh, translate that as peace, but peace is so incomplete. Shalom means wholeness, completeness, wellness. Peace is part of that, contentment. All of that is part of, of what God is bringing to her. Shalom. It is the common greeting in, the, in, in Israel even to this day, and it was at that time. Shalom, favored one. You're favored, Mary. You are in a position of blessing. You are in a position to receive something incredible from God, and you don't even realize that you are the favored one, the only one, the only woman that would be chosen for this task. You are favored. Adonai, the Lord, is with you. But at the message, she was perplexed, and she kept wondering what kind of greeting this might be. The angel spoke to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
For you have found favor with God. Behold, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Yeshua. That's Hebrew for Jesus. Jesus is the English word that we translate, but his Hebrew name is Yeshua. He will be great and he will be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob for all eternity and his kingdom will be without end. This is who, Mary, you're going to be carrying. You're carrying the most high. You're carrying the future ruler of the world. You are carrying this one who will reign over the house of Israel for all eternity. His kingdom will be without end. That's who is going to be within you. Again, that gives every reason for her to be puffed up with pride. But if you are puffed up with pride, you will be in opposition to God. Because God hates pride. And he will not stand for pride. In fact, I don't know if you knew this or not. But on your heart, in your heart, there is a tiny little throne. And on the throne of your heart sits a ruler. When you have pride in your life, the ruler who's sitting on the throne is you. When God is the center of your life and the center of your heart, he is seated on the throne. You let him reign, and that happens through humility. Mary had every reason to be puffed up and full of pride, but look at her response. She stays incredibly humble. Mary, you're going to be carrying God. You're going to, he's going to be the ruler of all. And here's how she responds. Then Mary said, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies Adonai. And my spirit greatly rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his maidservant. Now, she's not humble because she says herself that she's humble. She's humble because of what she did in the very next words. The humble state of God's maidservant. I am God's maidservant. The word maidservant in the Greek language is the word doule. It's where we get the idea of a doulos from. Doule just means handmaid, female slave, or bond servant. It is a female slave in that time. It could be involuntary or it can be voluntary. Mary responded with this response, I am your servant. And whatever you want for my life, whatever your plan is, I will follow your plan. I will, I will surrender to your plan, God. You will be Lord and I will follow you. This is the principle of life, that God expects his servants to be humble before him. And if we are not humble before him, he will stand in opposition to that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says these words, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and if you will do that, he will lift you up at the appropriate time. Many of us, are full of pride. Life has to revolve around us. Ask your wife, guys. Ask your husband, ladies. And ask them to be honest with you. Are you humble or are you full of pride? Are you willing to serve or do you need to be served? 
Does life have to revolve around you or do you help others? God expects us to be full of humility as we come before him. And in humility, Mary surrendered her heart and her life to him. You know, here's, here's an excellent idea of humility. Humility is seeing myself the way God wants me to see myself, to see myself in light of who he is. Jesus taught us the model of what humility looks like when he taught the disciples how to pray. You remember the prayer that he taught them? They were wondering, how, how do we pray? Jesus would say, here's how to pray. Here's the model of prayer. Go to God this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the starting part of the prayer. Notice what the starting part is all about. God, hallowed be your name. Glorified, honored, lifted up, Praised be your name. Not my name, but your name. There are so many people in life that live life trying to build up their name, their reputation. It's about their plan. Jesus says, start your prayer this way. Recognize it's not about me. God, it's about you. It's not my plan, God, it's your plan. God, it's not my name. It's your name that needs to be praised. And I need to come underneath that and surrender to that. That's what a humble state of a bondservant really looks like. Jesus not only says, hallowed be your name, but then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know what the opposite of that is? My kingdom and my will. And most people tend to live out life building my kingdom. I want to build my kingdom. I want to build my empire. I want to build my status. And I, it's not about God's will. It's my will. It's my plan. Jesus flips that all upside down and says, no, it's his kingdom. It's his will. It's his plan. It's his name. Come underneath that. And when you do, you will be walking in humility. Why did God choose Mary? Because she was humble. And though she had every reason to be puffed up and filled with pride, carrying the Son of God of all things, she remained a humble servant of his. Number two, second thing I want you to see about this story of Mary is that Mary was, first she was humble, secondly she questioned the plan, but she still obeyed. She questioned the plan. The angel came and said, you're going to carry this one. You're going to be the mother of God himself, the future ruler of all. The Messiah is coming through you. She questioned the plan, but she still obeyed what the plan was. Do you know that it is absolutely okay to wonder and to question and to ponder what God's plans are? We don't always understand. We don't always see. We, see. we see only part of it. We see in just portions. We don't see it all. A lot of it is dark to us. We can't really make it out. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to question. God, why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? Why did this happen? But even in the midst of questioning, God, I will still obey you and surrender my life to you. Let's look again at the Christmas story. 
Keep going in Luke chapter 1. Here's what it says. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I have not been intimate with a man. There's no way. This, is, this cannot happen. She was questioning the plan. How could this possibly, are you sure that you're getting this right? I have never been intimate. I can't possibly do this. What in the world is going on? And responding, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Again, it will not be through the seed of man. It will be under the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy One being born will be called the Son of God. Now, to show you another miracle, Mary, that has taken place, remember your cousin, your relative, Elizabeth? She has conceived a son in her old age. And the one who was called barren, Elizabeth, guess what? She's six months pregnant because nothing is impossible with God. I know you don't understand the plan. Just know that with God, nothing is impossible. Because it's not about your will. It's not about your plan. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about your name. It's about God's plan, God's will, God's kingdom, God's name. Nothing is impossible with him. So just even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't have to, obey him. Well, look at Mary's response. So Miriam, that is, again, the Hebrew name for Mary. So Miriam, Mary said, behold, the servant of the Lord, the servant of Adonai. What was she saying? She said, I am God's servant. It, I'm here to serve you, God. I don't understand it. Let it be done. To me, according to your word, and the angel left her. You ever had a time in your life that you have severely questioned what God is doing? It absolutely doesn't make any sense. You don't know why these things are happening. Whether it's a tribulation or a trial, a turmoil, whether it is a hard time, a hard event, you don't know what's happening, you don't know why it's happening, you don't know why the things are going on the way that, you, that, that they are. It doesn't make sense, but in the same way that Mary said, this doesn't make sense, she said, whatever, let it be done to me according to what you say. God, I will obey you with all of my heart, even if it doesn't make sense. So, so what is this? We, we've seen Mary was humble, though greatly honored. She is obedient though she's questioning what the plan is because the plan doesn't make sense. The final thing I want you to notice out of the life of Mary is this, that Mary was also going to be hurt but never quit. She is surrendered, submissive, and humble. She is obedient even though she doesn't understand exactly all that's going to happen. And she was going to be hurt greatly but she will never quit. Mary's going to have things said about her during her life. By the time when Mary, when all this happened to Mary, she was probably about, and, and the guess is probably around the 14-year-old mark, maybe 14 or 15. What maturity she would have at the age of 14 or 15 to be able to handle this. If you've had a 14 or 15-year-old, I don't know if you'd say the same thing about them, that they were at that mature of a state, but she was. 
She came out of nothing. She was poor. She, they had no prestige. They had no power, no, no, uh, no position in that society. But God used her in, a, in an incredible way, an incredibly mature way. From that time, she would see her son Jesus grow into a man, and then she was going to see him die on the cross. Mary would probably be roughly 47, 48 years old when she is watching her son be executed on the cross. Mary would have had things said about her. Think of the whispers in secret. You mean she had a child and she was not married? Uh, what kind of a person was she? What, what did she do? I mean, she, she did What? Think of the things that would have been said about her. I don't know that that damaged her. It probably did. It probably hurt her to have things said about her. And when she tried to explain it, like, no, wait a second, I'm telling you, it was, it was a miraculous thing. The Holy Spirit, came, I wasn't with a guy. Everybody's going to be thinking, yeah, right, come on. You expect us to believe that? I think the reputation probably did hurt her. You know what hurt her probably more than the reputation is what people in the country would have said about her son. And not just what they said about her son, but what they did to her son. That would have hurt her more. I have six kids. I don't care really what people say about me or think about me. I mean, I do and I don't. You understand what I mean by that. You know what really makes me mad? What really saddens me is when people talk about my kids. I'll never forget, we had two little kids. At the time, Jennifer and I were young parents. We had our oldest two, Alyssa and Andrew. And uh, both of them are grown. Both of them are married now. And uh, wonderful, wonderful. But I'll never forget people coming to us and saying, you guys are terrible parents. Your kids are just out of control. And they would make comments like this. I'm like, you don't even know us. And give me the evidence. You, there's no evidence. It really made me mad and it hurt. Not because it hurt me. It hurt because of what people were saying about my kids. Now, those two kids are wonderful followers of the Lord. They are just incredible people. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying what was happening. What hurts me is when people talk or do things to my kids. That's what really hurts. Do you know for Mary... What they said about her son? Let me give you some examples. In John chapter 8, it says Jesus is having a conversation. And he said to these Pharisees these words, You are doing the deeds of your father. He was meaning Satan. They said to him, We are not born of illeg uh, as illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. There's a double meaning in that statement. The double meaning is this. They were saying, look, Abraham is our father. We are not children of Satan. But they were also, I believe, pointing the finger back at Jesus because they would have known the reputation. The story would have spread. Jesus, you're an illegitimate child. You're born of fornication because Mary didn't have a husband at the time. And so we're not like you. Then they said, the then the Judean leaders responded, Aren't we right to say you are a Samaritan and have a demon? A Samaritan was considered 
so less than the Jews. They were considered to be the half-breeds. They weren't truly Jewish people. They, they, were, they did false things in the worship of God. They were seen as just second-class or third-class citizens. To call somebody a Samaritan was a huge, huge put-down. Of Mary's son, they said, he's a Samaritan. Pick any cuss word and put it in that place, and that's the equivalent of what was being said. Any kind of put-down. And then they said, he's got a demon. He's demon-possessed. You know what that would have done to the heart of a mom? If you're a mom and people talk about your kids like that, that would cause you to be enraged and to be saddened both at the same time. In John chapter 10, they said this about Jesus. They said, it says, again, a division arose among the Judeans because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? So people are saying about her son what she knew in her heart to be false, untruth, lies. It would have hurt her heart to experience that with her son. Yet, she continued to follow. She continued to walk after him. She continued to be part, counted as part of the group of his followers. She knew her son. She knew he wasn't crazy. She knew he wasn't insane. She knew he didn't have a demon. She knew he was God himself. But it wasn't just what people said. It's what they did to her son. In John chapter 19, it says these words. So the soldiers did these things. What are the things that the soldiers did? Well, they beat him mercilessly to the point that Isaiah tells us that you couldn't even recognize him because he was so badly beaten. They whipped him, scourged him to the point of almost death, putting a thorn of crowns on his head and beating him with the crowns driving into his skull. They humiliated him, stripping him probably naked as he is being crucified. They nailed him, piercing his hands and feet to the cross, put the cross into place, and as the cross would have dropped into place, it would have been such a thud that it most likely would have dislocated all of his joints because of the weight of his body with the pressure of the cross falling into the hole that would have been dug to put the cross in. The soldiers did all of these things. And it says, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Moms, or dads too, can you imagine the pain? Not if it was done to you. That would be painful, obviously, it would be excruciatingly painful. But the, the bigger pain would be watching them do that to your child. Can you imagine? Put yourself in the shoes of Mary. Can you imagine standing there watching these events take place on the baby you birthed, the baby that you nursed, the baby that grew as you watched him learn to walk 
as you watched him grow into a toddler and into an adolescent and you watched him grow into a man, can you imagine the pain of that heart? I think Mary could have easily been tempted to be angry with the Romans, angry with the Jews, angry with the mockers, and angry with God himself. Even shaking her fists at God, this is not what I planned for my son. But do you know we have nothing recorded that ever suggests that she did any of that? Because it wasn't about her will, it wasn't about her plan, it wasn't about her name, it was about God, his plan, his name, and his kingdom. Hurt in her heart, but she did not quit. So why did God, how did God choose a woman to raise his son? She chose somebody that was full of humility, though could have easily been puffed up with pride. He chose a woman who was willing to obey, even though she didn't completely understand the plan. He chose a woman who was willing to not quit and not give up and continue to persevere even though she went through pain. See, that's the kind of moms that God wants you to be. Someone who's humble, someone who obeys, someone who keeps persevering no matter what comes your way. But it's not just moms, it's also dads. It's not just moms and dads, it's everyone sitting here. That God wants us to be his servants and to be an effective person for him, to be someone that God chooses to use in a unique and special, profound way, takes humility, obedience, and perseverance. Let me close with this. One one of my favorite preachers um, of the 19th, well, 19th, 20th century would be uh, G. Campbell Morgan. Uh, he was a preacher in London, and he came from a family of preachers. There were uh, preacher. His father was a preacher. He had uh, preachers uh, for uncles. Um, he had some of his brothers. He had even some of his own sons that followed his, in his footsteps and became preachers. And one of the things that I really appreciate about him is that he was committed to teaching the Word of God. So he did a lot of verse by verse teaching of the Word of God because people need to know the Word of God. One time he was asked. In your family, who was the greatest preacher out of all of the preachers? There's a lot of them in your family. Who is the greatest preacher? Without hesitation, he came back and said, the greatest preacher in my family was my mom. Mom never preached a sermon from the pulpit, but she preached every day of her life in the way that she instructed and loved and obeyed God and lived out her life with her kids. Her kids witnessed more in her in the way that she lived her life than they ever witnessed in the life of his dad, who was a preacher by profession. Moms, you have a profound ability to impact your child for the rest of their lives more than anybody else through your life, through the way that you live your life, through the example that you set through the obedience of your heart, through the humility of attitude, and through you showing and modeling perseverance 
through the hardest of times. So moms, we bless you. We thank you. We encourage you to learn from the example of Mary and to be the kind of mom that God would use for his kingdom's sake. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful to you for this example of Mary. And I am grateful to you, Lord, for showing this model of humility and obedience and perseverance. I cannot imagine the honor of being chosen to be the mother of God incarnate. I can't imagine the pain of being chosen to be the mother and have to watch your son go through the torture of the cross. I am looking forward to meeting the mother of Jesus someday and having that conversation and learning more about what it was like. So Lord, we are thankful that you've given us that model, not that she is to be worshiped, but we can admire the kind of woman that she was. I pray for not only moms, but I pray for dads, and I pray for all of us as your servants that we would have hearts of humility and obedience and perseverance, that we would walk humbly with our God, that we would serve and obey you no matter what the cost, and that we would never give up or quit, but continue to stay firmly planted in you as we go through life. We thank you for meeting with us today. Now bless us as we leave. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.